0: I'm John Carter in Babylon, the greatest city of the ancient world. This is Nebuchadnezzar's summer palace. Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest king of the ancient world. And two and a half thousand years ago, this god-king, this dictator, had an amazing dream. In his dream he saw a great metal man, head of gold, chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron feet, part of iron, part of clay, and then a tremendous stone that came out of the blue and smashed into the image. Now that's quite a dream, isn't it? Possibly the most amazing dream any man has ever had because that dream tells the history of the human race. And right now. I want you to come with me downtown Los Angeles to the beautiful Shrine Auditorium and we're going to explain that dream to you. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Prophecy. It's used to peer into the future, but it must be learned from the past. The Carter Report presents Focus on Prophecy. From the Shrine Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles, John Carter unravels the mysteries of Bible prophets and brings modern meaning to this ancient book. And now, John Carter. Two and a half thousand years ago, the King of Babylon had a dream. This dream was so startling, so Soul-shaking, perhaps I could call it. It it was such an amazing dream that he he woke up and he woke up in a blind sweat. And uh, the dream was so uncanny that, listen, that dream foretold the history of of the then known world it foretold the history of the human race from the days of the babylonians right down to the last day and it is so incredible and so amazing and so convincing and so overwhelming that i want you to see it tonight with your own eyes and the good news is this that the record of that remarkable dream has been preserved in an ancient Hebrew document. And tonight, I'm not going to give it to you because I'm not a millionaire, but I'm going to lend it to you. And as soon as you have a copy, I want you to take a copy and open it up to page 765, please. 765. Page 765 we're going to turn to a very, very old book called the book of Daniel that was written 2,600 years ago in Babylon itself. This book comes from the ruins of Babylon. Daniel chapter 2 and it's page 765. Oh, I'm just so glad that you folks are here tonight. You look good. And we're going to have an exciting time together. We're just going to lend this to you. Page 765. 765. You got it? Okay. I've got a lot of things to tell you, so I want you to come with me and I want you to go fast. Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 down to 7. And I'm going to read it and I want you to follow me because I want to. Now, look, look, look at me, please. Let me have your eyes. Can I have your eyes? Just look at me for a moment. I don't need to pass these out to you. I could just read it to you. But because the evidence here is so unbelievable, because it is so overwhelming, I want you to see it and not be convinced because I tell it to you. I want you to be convinced because you see it. Okay? So don't believe it unless you're convinced. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. Let me read it. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I've had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Just hold on. Look at me. The king has a dream. It's such a tremendous dream and it's so overwhelming that he's, he's terrified by the dream. And he says to these people, uh, look, I've had this awful dream. He calls in the magicians, the astrologers, the enchanters. And you see, these folk were great astronomers. You saw some pictures on the screen tonight. I showed the stars and so forth. The Babylonians were great astronomers because they are into astrology. They gave names to the days of the week. They worked out the year at 365 days, 6 hours, and 15 minutes, almost spot on. They were into astrology. They believed in astrology. And so he has this dream, and he calls in his astrologers. And he says, I've had this dream. Well, they said, that's not a problem. You tell us what you dreamed, and we'll tell you what it means. You see, you tell us what you dreamed and we'll tell you what it means. But the king was smarter than they were. He said, you tell me what I dreamed and then I'll know that what you tell me, its meaning, is true. Not only do I want to know the meaning of the dream, but I want you to tell me what the dream was. Which, of course, is fair enough. If a person says that he can interpret your dreams, don't tell him the dream. Just say to him, I'll believe your interpretation if you tell me the dream as well. You see, if a person's got supernatural powers and can interpret a dream and give a prophecy, then friend, if he is not a fraud, he can also tell you what the dream was. Isn't that reasonable? I ought to try that next time. Now let me read on now, please. Follow me, would you? Let me read on. Verse, verse 5. Oh, he says, verse 4, tell you, they say, tell your servants the dream and we will give the interpretation. Verse 5, but the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, however, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. And so, if you read on this passage, and we won't read too much more of this passage, but because I've got some more things to show you in a moment. These men, the magicians, the astrologers, were shown up to be what they were, simply charlatans and religious frauds. That's all they were. And they could not tell the king the dream, and they could not, therefore, tell the interpretation. So the king says, I'm going to have all of you people put to death. Every one of you is going to be put to death. But before they put these people to death, Daniel hears about it. And Daniel, the Bible says, is a prophet. He is a prophet from Jerusalem. He is there as a prisoner of war and he goes home that night and the Bible says he prays hard and God tells him the dream and God tells him what the dream means. And the amazing thing is this, and I'm going to prove it to you, this dream given from the the ruins, no, given from the time when Babylon was ruling the world, given from Nebuchadnezzar's summer palace, that dream tells the history of the human race and tells us the next world empire. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? If it is true, if I can prove that to you tonight... If I can prove that, every person tonight can go out and say, I have received the greatest proof of the invisible God. And so, it's up to me to prove it to you with God's help. Now look at verse 12. For this reason, the king was angry, very furious, gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Uh, Come down to verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And then you come to verse 31 to 35, notice this, here you have the dream, the dream of destiny. Verse 31 to 35, notice it. 31 to 35, You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Now, listen to me. Okay. The king had a dream. In his dream... He saw a great metal man like you've never seen before. Head of gold. Boy, he's good, isn't he? Done by a friend of mine in Australia. He does. I've got, when I talk about the Antichrist, I'm going to fill this place up with with all of these great, amazing images. That's next week. The greatest programs that you'll ever, ever come to, not because I put them on, but because there's great power in those programs. You wait till you come. So he sees this great metal man, head of gold, chest of silver. The Bible says, belly of bronze, legs of iron, and feet part of iron and part of clay. And then as he is gazing in, in spellbound fascination, a tremendous stone comes out of the sky and hits into the image and the whole thing breaks into a million pieces and then the stone starts to grow and grow and grow and grow and, grow, and becomes a mighty mountain and it fills the whole earth. Now what does it mean? The question is, does anybody know what it means? Now, the Babylonian magicians didn't know. The astrologers didn't know. The wise men didn't know. But Daniel knew because God told him so. Now, just hold, your, just hold on as we say, hold your horses. I haven't started yet. You start clapping when I get along a little bit further. Don't be too complimentary yet, I haven't done anything yet. Now verse 36, verse 36, look at verse 36. Now let me have your eyes again. If you want to understand who the Antichrist is, you need to understand this, because when I talk about the Antichrist, my friend, I'm going to be building on this. And so you need to understand this very, very well tonight. And you need to follow me very, very critically. And you need to think very, very keenly. I want to say this to you today, and I say this in Christian charity. This land is filled with religious frauds. And you and I, when we come to any sort of meeting, we ought to check out the person who's doing the talking and we ought to say, is this in harmony with the facts? And all I want you to do in these meetings, I want to present certain great truths to you and I don't want you to believe it because I say it. I want you to believe it because you're convinced it is the truth. Is that fair enough? That's what we ought to do. We ought to think it through. Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. But you better find out what the truth is. That's important. Find out what the truth is. Now, come here here now. Please with me. Notice verse 36 to 40. 36 to 40. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. Now he's talking to Nebuchadnezzar. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, he has given them into your hand, and he's made you ruler over them all. What does it say, friend? You are this head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, who represented the mighty kingdom of the Babylonians that I showed you on the screen a moment ago, the great kingdom that ruled the then known world between 606 right through to 538, that was the head of gold. Now you say, oh, oh that's your interpretation. That's not my interpretation. That's exactly what the prophet said. He said, the great Babylonian kingdom was represented by the head of gold. Now, please read on with me. Verse 39, here was bad news for Babylon. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to you, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Now the Bible says, now look, I should come over here and uh, I'm going to keep those lights on because we're not finished yet because I'm going to put this up. Kingdom number one. Number one, the head of gold, the Bible says, was Babylon. That ruled from 606 to 538 BC, it is the head of gold. Number two, number two, here it is, number two. After you, another kingdom inferior to you. That is the kingdom of Medo-Persia. That describes the kingdom that in 538 came knocking on the doors of of the old Babylonians. That refers to the mighty armies of the Medo-Persians that came down the banks uh, and, and into the water and waded through there and they found that the gates had not been locked. This talks about the coming of the Persians. But then it says number three. Number three, and a third kingdom, head of gold, Babylon, chests of silver, Medo-Persia, belly and thighs of bronze. The next kingdom that came after Medo-Persia was the kingdom of Alexander the Great under Greece, uh, who uh, ruled Greece. Alexander the Great. So you have these great world empires, Babylon, followed by Medo-Persia, followed by the kingdom of Alexander, Greece. And so now we come to the next one. Please notice it. Anybody who knows history will say this is true. Now verse 40. And uh, the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Oh, well, what does that sound like to you, an iron kingdom? Inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. And so now you come down to these mighty legs of iron. And so after Babylon came Medo-Persia. After Medo-Persia came Greece. And after Greece came the kingdom of Rome. The Ein Monarchy of Rome. Why, even the Romans themselves consider themselves to be the Ein Monarchy. Gibbon refers to the fourth great kingdom as the Ein Monarchy of Rome. And so, there you see Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to give you a little run-through from archaeology of the kingdoms of Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome. And then when I've done that, I'm going to bring you back to that same passage, so keep your finger in that place, and I'm going to show you the next world empire that was predicted two and a half thousand years ago. Babylon was the greatest city of the ancient world. Today, it's a heap of ruins. Very little to see in old Babylon, just a lot of old broken bricks. You know why? A Bible prophet 2,700 years ago said that the world's greatest city would be absolutely destroyed. I've got a message to you today from the ruins of Babylon. Here it is. You can believe in the Word of the living God. I want to give you this, this information. You see, I have seen it with my own eyes. It's not a matter of blind faith, no. It is a matter of overwhelming evidence, and I want to share some of that evidence with you. Therefore, write to me, John Carter care of the Carter Report, Box 3390, Hollywood, California, 90028, or better still, call me right now on the telephone number listed on the screen. This is John Carter reporting from Nebuchadnezzar's summer palace with a conviction. You can believe the Bible. So I'm going to take you to the modern-day empire of Persia. That's into the Shah's palace. Oh, friend, it was quite an opulent place. I've been there on some occasions, not just recently, mind you, but I've been there, seen the mosques. And when I see all these beautiful little children in the Middle East, when I go to Lebanon and I go to these countries where there is so much fighting, my heart just bleeds, my friend, when you see these little children who are being hurt by all this senseless fighting. I want to tell you folks something, my American friends, listen to this. The worst sin in the world. You ready for this? I'll tell you what the worst sin is. It is religious bigotry. You say, what do you mean by religious bigotry? I mean when people fight over religion in the name of God. What an awful thing it is. You go to Northern Ireland. And there you find that Catholics and Protestants are fighting to death over the the love of God, over their doctrinal differences. And you go to other parts of the world and people are fighting over religious differences. I want to tell you folks something. If religion is worth anything, it ought to make people kind to each other. Ought to make people love each other. Don't you think? I believe this. Here are some of the Persian kings. I took these pictures some time ago when I was visiting Persia, Iran, and went to Persepolis. Of course, Persepolis means the city of the Persians, great city that was constructed there thousands of years ago by Darius the Great. And uh, it was a tremendous empire. The Babylonians were a great empire. You go out in the desert outside Persepolis, and you see the tombs of the Persian kings. And as you visit these places, you're walking in the footsteps of the prophets, and you can see how the prophecies have been wonderfully fulfilled. And so, here is the second empire this is the great empire that was likened to the chest of silver that's the Behistun rock, uh, that was like the Rosetta Stone. Through the Behistun rock, uh, the scholars were able to decipher the, and uh, uncode the mysterious persian writing that's why we can tell you so much about these things now because the the cuneiform the persian writing the hieroglyphics all of these old languages have been uh, opened up and scholars now understand exactly what these uh, wonderful inscriptions are talking about these are some of the the sarcophagi taken out of the out of the tombs there so babylon went down and then came the Persians. This one over here on the left-hand side is very interesting because it's the story of Xerxes the Great. Xerxes the Great in the Bible is called, is called Ahasuerus, and he is the person who married the Jewish girl whose name was Esther, and she became the queen of the Persian Empire. These are pictures now of Persepolis. And some of the tombs, that's a good one of Persepolis on the right-hand screen. It's a, it's a very good shot. It shows you the vastness. Of that great wonderful temple palace city. So we say goodbye to Persia. Babylon went down and then Persia quickly followed. It was overthrown, of course, by the Greeks. Alexander the Great, this fireball, this man who seemed possessed by a divine energy, came on the scene and took on the Persians, destroyed their empire. And then the great Greek Empire ruled the world. This building, of course, is the Parthenon, which is dedicated to the Great Mother Goddess. It goes back to 500 BC. It was in a beautiful state of preservation until about uh, uh, 1670, when the Greeks and the Turks had a fight and blew the thing to pieces. Over here is Mars Hill, and this is the marketplace where the Apostle Paul in New Testament days disputed with the Grecian uh, philosophers and scholars. The store on the right-hand screen, which was put together by the American uh, archaeological expedition. And so Babylon went down, Medo-Persia went down. Then the Greeks went down, and they were followed by the power of Rome. This is history. These are the legs of Rome. The Roman soldiers were perhaps the best in the world. Their architecture is still standing today in the old city of Rome. This is the great monarchy of the iron legs, the pantheon, the temple for all the gods where all the gods of the Romans were kept. And uh, that of course is the Colosseum. The Christians incidentally were not thrown to the lines in the Colosseum, they were thrown to the lines at the Circus Maximus. They had uh, the gladiators fighting in the Colosseum. The Colosseum held about 50,000 people and even though it was a a place of awful butchery and bloodshed, it was not where they killed the Christians. They kill the Christians at the Circus Maximus. That is the Arch of Titus, and the picture there on the screen is tremendously significant because it shows the seven golden candlesticks taken out of the temple in Jerusalem that was overthrown by Titus in 70 AD. Now listen as you've never listened to me before. Tomorrow night I'm going to talk on the Jew, the Arab, and Jerusalem. This is going to be the most incredible experience of your whole human existence an amazing story. I'm going to tell you the story, the true story about the Jews, the Arab and Jerusalem and the coming of a super prince who would take away all hatred between those people. You won't want to miss that tomorrow night. The seven golden candlesticks taken out of the temple. Jesus Christ 40 years before the temple was overthrown in 70 AD predicted that this temple would be completely destroyed. Jesus said the great temple would be raised to the ground. Jesus said the whole temple site would be would be destroyed and the prophecy was absolutely fulfilled. I'm also going to tell you the prophecy tomorrow night about how some people escaped when it appeared as though as, as though escape would be absolutely impossible. The program tomorrow night is amazing and wonderful. It'll take your breath away.